All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe, you give me an amen. amen. All right, can we quickly open our Bibles? I want us to open to Psalm 2, everybody. Please open to Psalms number 2. Psalm 2. We are going to read it together. Our Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we declare these words from the Scriptures. We declare them as declaring the Lordship of Jesus into the air, into our nation, into our environment. We declare that Jesus is Lord. Everybody say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. All right, one, two, let's go. Why are the nations in an opera and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cause from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord calls at them. Five. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. 9. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence, and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he not become angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. I want to repeat verse 12. He said, Do homage to the Son, that he not become angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. Now listen. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Now in the name of Jesus Christ, we speak upon the air. We speak into this nation. We speak into our environment. And we speak into this continent. We say, Jesus, we reign forevermore. Amen. Listen, Africa. Kiss the sun so he does not become angry and you perish in the way. We speak to the Middle East. Kiss the sun, otherwise he will become angry. And those who stand against him, they will perish in the way. Jesus is exalted. Amen. Jesus is exalted. I said, Jesus is exalted. Amen. And all who take their refuge in him, they are blessed. Amen. Say amen to that. Amen. They are protected. Amen. They are kept. Amen. They are saved. Amen. All who take their refuge in him, they are blessed. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, before we take our seats, let's take our declaration of understanding. If you are joining us online... Um, I think the things, uh, uh, just on our website, you can download it from pastor.ng. Go under sermons or under tracts. You just see declarations, KWM. Download a very small PDF file, and you can join us anytime we are declaring. All right, so it looks like we're already. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. 
I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. The Spirit of God is flowing this evening again with his healing power. Amen. Everyone, please pay attention. What did I say? And the Lord will remove every affliction from your bodies. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord is good. Now, I've been talking about the entrance of faith. Please pardon me, I repeat a lot, because they say where there's no repetition, the people are not established. Yeah. So this, the idea is to sharpen these words so as to make them enter into our hearts. So I've been looking at that um, for some time, and I've been ex- emphasizing that faith comes to the children of God when they have understanding. He said, by faith we understand. That's, that thing is very in, in, important to understand, all right? When he said, by faith we understand. You see, what faith does for you is help you understand the information you are given. Without that faith, you can't, have the, uh, you can't understand information. But without the information, do you understand my point? Faith does not grow. So you, know, you need to constantly increase the amount of information you have. We said that the two people that Jesus said had great faith, they spoke as people that had understanding. One said, listen, this is how spiritual power flows. And Jesus said, that faith is great. The other person said, listen, even the dogs, they benefit from crumbs that are thrown away, even though I am not one of the children, but I can participate, I can be blessed by the crumbs. And Jesus said, great is thy faith. So we should have spiritual understanding. And we have been emphasizing what God made us to be in Christ Jesus, who he is to us. And those are the things that we have been looking at, talking about um, this spiritual climate that we are learning about. Now, we'll be reading from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32. And I'd like us to go back there again, because there's something I began to say last time, which I just feel like I should complete today. The reason is because sometimes you raise questions in the hearts of people. You need to just, you know, clarify their questions, because we are saying things that are against popular uh, teaching or doctrine. They may get confused. So let's just go back there to where we have been reading, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Last time we, we discussed a number of things. I remember I emphasized to us, Okay, let's read it first. Now, because we have read this many times, this time around I'll take the liberty to do a lot of jumping of uh, verses as we read. I'll start from verse 1. I'm just checking the thing is very long to verse 43. I won't read everything, don't worry. That'll take us a lot of time. Say, so give ear, O heavens, and let me speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. From verse 3, he says, I proclaim the name of the Lord. I ascribe greatness to our God. Please follow this. I want to really emphasize this to believers. Ascribe greatness to our God in your life. Ascribe greatness to our God in the environment. Ascribe greatness to our God. It's so crucial we understand that. He said, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. Let me remind us of this. We said it last time. Why does he have to tell us he's a God of faithfulness? Why does he have to tell us that his ways, um, that he's righteous and upright and all his ways are just? I'll tell you. It is because without deep understanding, it will look otherwise. Did you hear what I said? It will look otherwise. 
That's why he has to tell you. When you see emphasis like this made in scripture, what that tells you is that the environment might tell you the opposite. It may make you look as if, why do the wicked um, um, prosper? All right? Why are the righteous people not blessed? It will appear, like he said in Malachi, that it is vain to serve the Lord. So what was Moses saying here, prophesying, that bear this in mind, no matter what you experience in life, ascribe righteousness to God. Eli who said that, I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. It's very important. So he said, as, um, the, he's a rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are just. He's a God of faithfulness, and with him there is no injustice. He's righteous. He's upright in all his doings. He said, but the problem you find sometimes is in verse 5. They act corruptly. He said, they have acted corruptly toward him. They are not his children because of their defect, but are a perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is not he your father who has bought you? He has made you and established you. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of all generations. Ask your father and he will inform you. Your elder and they will tell you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of man, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. Now, please, let me... Okay, he found him in desert place, verse 10. And in the howling waste of a wilderness, he encircled him, he cared for him, he guarded him as a pupil of his eye. Now, you see, verse 12, he said, The Lord alone guided him, and there was no foreign God with him. This is so important. I want you to tie this verse 12 to verse um, 3. Ascribe greatness to our God in your life. He said, the Lord alone guided him. Now, remember I said it last time. Okay, we established this last time. That Jacob, all right, is a type of the church. Is a type of the people of God. So what he's saying to us here, all right, is that the Lord alone guides us. And there is no foreign God with us. We discussed this one last time. Now, in verse 15, he said, um, but Jeshurun, that's Jacob, grew fat and kicked. He said, you are grown fat, sick, and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him. Please remember this. You know, I, we talked about the song of Moses some time ago. You can get the series from our learning from Moses series, that particular message. The song of Moses. What God I, I helped Moses to do for us was to write songs, write something down for us to understand the pattern of life, the way life goes. What he was saying here. Now, please, there is nothing in your life that you won't find already, already described in scripture. There is nothing. There is nothing. There is nothing. Now, some of the things that Moses talked about, you see it, you see, it, they, they had not even happened, but he wrote them ahead. He taught, the, 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 he taught them as songs to the people of Israel so that it would become something they will remember easily to understand the pattern of God. I hope you're getting my point. So bear that in mind. So he was explaining to us here that when Israel has a problem, when they do have a problem, this is what is going on. It is because Jeshurun became fat and kicked yeah, sorry, I just opened that. Where is it? My, oh, yeah, verse 15. He said, you are grown fat, thick, and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him. They now describe the things that um, these people did. Made the Lord jealous, sacrificed to other gods. They neglected the rock who, who begot them. That's verse 18. All right? Then the Lord saw this and he reacted because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. 
He said, because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. Now, please bear this in mind. They tell us as if, please, I, sorry, I keep on coming against this because it's a very popular doctrine these days. People like it because it sounds nice. You understand my point? That God does not discipline his children. It is false. And when they say that what he does is just speak words, no, it is not true. He will bring them into adversity. He will bring them into affliction as a way of correction. Now, we're not saying God's will. Please, let me say it again. There's a difference between the will of God and the judgment of God. When we say judgment, I would mean the decree and what God pronounces. There's a word of difference. What is the will of God? That which he desires. What is the will of God? That which he enjoys. What is the will of God? That which he planned and he really wants to happen. What is the decree of God? A combination of the will and the result of the behavior of the people. And number three, the prayers, repentance, intercession, whatever be the kind of prayer that people pray. These three things are added together before God decrees what will happen on the earth. I hope you're getting my point. On this earth, there is no calamity that can happen if God does not decree it. None. Let's bear in mind, none. On this earth, there's none. Can people affect things on this earth? Yes. Through their behavior and their intercessions. Those two, those two things. If we sin, we will pollute the earth until God will decree that the earth should vomit up the inhabitants. But if God says, okay, this earth will vomit up the inhabitants, and the people here, God will leak the secrets, usually through prophets, and they will come, like Jonah, say, Nineveh, in 40 days, you are going to be destroyed. And then they go to repentance. Now, why was Jonah angry? Because his prophetic integrity was at stake. But God said, my love for the people is superior to your personal feelings. What does that tell you? God never wanted Nineveh to be destroyed. He wanted Nineveh to repent. Let's bear it in mind. So when people misbehave, they go against the will of God, and he has to decree judgment for them. But if they come within the allowed period, because the time sometimes will run out, if they come before the time runs out and they pray, they repent, sometimes they themselves may not be the ones repenting. Somebody else may be interceding for them just by the way. Intercession only buys time. You see what I said? It buys time. It suspends judgment, giving the person time to repent. Time is given to us for repentance sake. Did you hear what I said? The reason why God gives us time in life is so that we may repent. He said concerning Jezebel in, in that revelation that I gave her time to repent. That's what he does. Give time to people so that they can repent. So sometimes because of intercession, God does that. He gives time. Remember, the church has a responsibility. During the suspension of judgment, the church must go in and preach repentance to the people. Are you getting my point? No matter the power of the intercession, it cannot hold judgment forever. It buys time for repentance. And so the preaching of truth will push people into repentance. If they do not repent, they will be destroyed, even if they are Christians. Let's bear that in mind, all right? So, why were we studying this, or why are we reading it again? We are reading all of this so to see how our lives move. Like we began to explain last time, we spoke at length, spoke of over two hours on that last um, Saturday. No, not last Saturday, two Saturdays ago. The last Saturday, we were in uh, Lokoja. Well, last time that I was teaching, I explained that it's, it was important we respond appropriately to the situations of our lives. 
the deification of Satan, of the devil, has been a problem in the Christian's walk with God. It has been a problem. I explained that, listen, we read it just now, the Lord alone led Jacob, and that is a tie for the church. We should never allow the glory of God to be given to the devil. If you're a Christian, you must learn. By faith, we understand. All right? What does that mean? Anything we want to understand in this life, we have to look at it with the eyes of faith. And that's why we're doing this teaching, because faith increases when we have more knowledge. So anything that happens to your life, interpret it with the eye of faith. Don't assume that because some, everybody's in prison, we all came there for the same reason. I like this, my rhymes. It's not deliberate. They just happen. We may all be in prison, but we came for different reasons. Yeah, I should write it down. <laughs> Joseph was in prison. The reason was different. Please, even though something's happening to everybody around you, interpret it differently in your life. I hope you're getting my point. Farming was not a new phenomenon when Israel experienced it in the days of Ahab and Elijah. But for Israel, it was a specific method of disciplining the people so as to provoke them to repentance. It was not El Nino. Those who know climatology, you get my point. It wasn't. It was not global warming. Now, just by the way, anytime I read this global warming thing, you know, I can't help but laugh. I can't help but laugh at how human beings, or wonder at how human beings can collectively believe something they don't even know. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Listen, one thing I'm sure of, eh? if God wants to boil this earth, if you like, don't drive cars. If everybody's like, don't even breathe. You know, they say don't eat meat. You know, I hope you know one of the ways to prevent... <laughs> I want to start laughing again. One of the ways to prevent global warming that is being campaigned, you know, for is that don't eat meat. He said the eating of meat is causing global warming. I mean, let me see the message. I'm about to get sidetracked. Many of the things people campaign with is some of the manifestations of their belief that there is no God. That's it. And they make it look like they are God. They can control everything. Let me give you the word of God. Eh? What I'm saying, prophetic insight. There's nothing anybody on this earth can do to alter the temperature of the globe. Take that onto the bank. I'm not joking about it. I'm speaking both from understanding of secular things and from scripture. All that noise they are making. That's why they say Christians don't believe. We believe bigger things. I'm sorry, let me drop it. It's a fat lie. No, most of those they campaign with, they are lies. Go and read the stories. There. I'm not making it up. You can Google it online. In the 70s, exactly what they are telling us now was what they said was causing global cooling. That these industries that use coal, they are causing global cooling. How do they use coal? That you are releasing too much smoke into the air. Those things they say is causing global warming now. They say by putting too much smoke in the air, you shield away the sun. Now they say you trap the heat. Oh, Banky, stay on your message. Yes, I will. What's my message? Please, don't inter- interpret your life in a common way. That's the point I'm making. Israel experienced famine. It was not because of global warming. It was not El Nino effect. It was that they sinned against God. 
And Elijah said, unless I see otherwise, there will be no rain or dew. You know what dew? You wake up in the morning, the one that you find on your glass, the Israel did not find it. Everywhere was dry. Three straight years, which meant they couldn't farm. And it was the judgment of God. Ascribe greatness to God in your life. We explained that last time. The devil doesn't have power in, in your life. The devil does not have power in your life. Now, what I'm preaching today, I know I'm repeating myself, something I've preached over time. But I believe that's what the Holy Spirit wants me to say. Please, I'm just reviewing what we said last time briefly. It is God that is training you. It is God that is leading you. And we emphasized last time, the fact that God is leading you does not mean it's going to be easy. We emphasized that God was the one that took Jacob into the house of Laban. But it wasn't easy for him there. Please, bear that in mind. It was God that led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. So it was the Holy Spirit. True or false? Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It was the Lord that led Jacob into the house of Laban. It was God that led Joseph until he got to where he got to. We discussed that last time. We're not going to go over it again. God leads us, all right, about. It's not the devil. Christians should bear it in mind. That's what I want to repeat again today. So, like last time, we spoke extensively, explaining things like this. That in everything, our faith is working. But it's not working temporal satisfaction. It's working what? Eternal weight of glory. And that's what we should bear in mind. Remember, we read from Deuteronomy chapter 8. That God did this to Israel so that he would do them good at the end. And he has his own end. Can I quickly say that? God has his end. It's not what you are thinking of. One of the things, Chris, I've seen it a number of times. People say, I have given a lot. It's time to start receiving. It's nonsense talk. Did you hear what I said? Yes. It's nonsense talk. All of this is time for this thing to start producing. If you are thinking like that, you will be disappointed in this life. You have to make the doing of good, the doing of righteousness a habit. You can never set a time when it will produce something for you. You can't. What I'm trying to emphasize is that it's his own end, not your end. To do you good at the end. He's the one that has marked the end. You don't know where the, what the end is for him. But one thing we just know is that there's something he's doing in our lives as individuals, every single one of them. And it's a spiritual thing. He's developing Christ-likeness. Listen, there is eternity to contend with. Bear that in mind. Don't ever forget my understanding may not be 100% accurate, is that this earth is a processing place. How you exit is what's most important to God. Not what you achieve on this earth. It's how you exit. What are you like when you are going? Let me say that again. What are you like, spiritually speaking, when you are going? That is what is important to him. It is crucial you bear it in mind. And that is why, listen to this, God will judge let me tell you the truth here. Every time in your life, you're praying for yourself. And not, not God, give me food, give me drink. No. It's try me, O Lord, and know my heart. And when he says know my heart, not that he should know, he knows already. It's for him to bring it to your own knowledge. Because God will judge every hidden thing. It's purification we are talking about. It's so important to him. By the time he's done, he wants to pick you up, and you're so clean, and he's so proud. I said something last time. You gave your life to Christ. You see, there's something you must understand about interpreting what God did for us in Christ. There is what is called the legal. That's how we learned it those days. And then there's the actual. Is that the word? 
they used. That is, let me put it like this. Let me give you an example. Righteousness. How are we made righteous? Who can tell me? By our works? By our works? How are we made righteous? By faith. How quickly are we made righteous? It's an instantaneous thing. Once you accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, with a heart man believes, and that results in righteousness. It's an instantaneous thing. It's just the process of believing. If it takes five seconds, it's done. If it takes an hour, it's done. If it's one second, it is done. Then the question is this. Does it mean immediately you become righteous in all your works? The answer is no. The inner righteousness must now be worked out in practical terms. That that would mean by the legal and the actual. That is, for example, as far as God is concerned, he has healed everybody totally in Christ Jesus. I hope you're getting my point. There it now becomes, that is, it's now left to us to walk with him, discover the truth, and make the necessary adjustments, okay, to make that thing real in our lives. So in Christ, we have been cleansed. But you see, that seed of God placed in us is totally pure, as a matter of fact. But it has to grow and take over our whole system. It has to. But we said, a man like Peter, all right, he encountered Simon the sorcerer, who the Bible said believed and was baptized. And he was going around with Philip, okay? And then when Peter and John came to minister the Holy Spirit to those who have believed, remember what Simon did? He took money, gave it to them, giving this power also, so that I will lay hands on people and the Holy Spirit will fill them, and they will see, you know, you will see the signs. It impressed him. And what did Peter say? He said to him, of course, I don't want to talk about the curse now, but I want to talk about the, the truth he revealed to us. He said, you are still what? In the bondage of iniquity and the goal of bitterness. Two things going on in there. Goal of bitterness and bondage of iniquity. To a man, he said it, who had already believed. A man who is aware had been baptized. A man who he knew was into magical acts, magical acts just a few days ago. Who burnt all the stuff, you understand? Relinquished all his um, um, paraphernalia, everything. And decided to give his life to Christ and be following Philip about. And you are saying to him, he's still in the gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. And you know the truth? That's why he did what he did. Iniquity still had a hold of him in practical terms. But as far as God is concerned, he has been set free. But he needed to work out his salvation with fear and with trembling. So he provoked Peter by manifesting the old flesh. Listen to me. That all those things have to go as far as God is concerned in your life and in my life. He is patient with it. Listen. You know what, you know what they call patience? You know who gets ampers? God. And because he doesn't want to waste any one of us, he doesn't give up easy. So if you want to prosper quickly, better cooperate sharp, sharp. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, you have to cooperate. Listen, you know, I was saying something between the legal and the actual. The misunderstanding, to me, has done Christians a lot of disservice. It has hurt a lot of Christians. Because they don't understand a lot of times what God is doing, like we began to explain last time in their lives. They don't understand it. So they misjudge. Because how God, how God is, when I'm talking about patience, what God is doing is this. This is what he does. He teaches you, then he tests you. 
If you fail, you repeat. There's no, there's no hurry. He teaches you. He tests you. If you fail, you repeat. The problem is that we just, we preach to ourselves a message that is not complete. What I mean is this. There are two people, I'm just going to point to us in scriptures. Paul and James. They taught, they quoted the same scriptures and said two totally different things. But they are not opposing each other. The things were just different. Abraham believed. And it was counted to him for what? Righteousness. So Paul said to everybody, our faith is counted as righteousness. Go and read that Romans chapter 4. The whole, the, most of the book of Romans, he explained the righteousness of God. And he kept on emphasizing, it's faith, it's faith, it's faith. That's one side. There are many people kept on going around. They were not doing anything about their character. They were just holding on to the fact that they have believed. And that they are righteous. And listen, I, I experienced it in my own generation over the last few years. As well, we began when I was in school until now people are trying to bring it back up again. Now the doctrines are not wrong in themselves. They're just not complete. So that's Paul. James now came, quoted the same scripture, and said Abraham believed, and it was what? Counted to him as righteousness. And to him, what does believing mean? It means to obey. So the man says, obedience is the key to righteousness. The other man said, faith is the key to righteousness. James said, obedience is the key to righteousness. Were they opposing each other? No. So he said, listen, let's tie it together. What James did. James said, just as a body without the breath. New Living Translation uses that, I noticed. I've been saying it for a long time. I just saw it last week that that's what they use. Just as a body without the breath is dead. He says, so is faith. Let me add this word, without obedience, dead. So he was saying, yes, what Paul said is true, but it must work out, you know, it must manifest. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. So James needed to be read to fully understand Paul. So James was given to us to bring Paul into practical experience. Interestingly enough, Paul also gave a lot of those practical tips. He did. But a lot of people didn't take note of it. So James came and said, listen, you make sure your life is a life of obedience to the word of God. Otherwise, your faith is dead. What am I going to say? God has done something inside us as a matter of fact. But you know the next thing he's doing is working with us to bring that thing out into reality. So, this is why we misunderstand. When people think that, no, it's done 100%. If they have afflictions outside, they say, no, I need to stand on my right. No, the affliction outside sometimes, it's God's way of pointing to you, bros, this is an area we need to work. Now, again, let me balance some doctrines. Because when we began to learn those days, the attack against what I'm preaching now, all right, people preach it before me, it's nothing new. They said, oh, people are saying that God is purifying them with sickness. Which kind of God purifies people with sickness? Listen, I agree with them. He does not purify anybody really with difficulty. Well, now, what they mean is this, that, okay, if that's the case, if you believe that, then let's pray for more sickness for you. That's how they used to criticize that doctrine. He said, God, when the Lord give it, no, say no, you are not getting it. Does affliction come? Yes. From the hand of God? Yes. He does. 
Does it now want us to stay in it? No. It's, more, it's, it's like you take a rod to, you know, discipline a child. Do you want to sit down there and be dis- flogging him every day? No. It is a recompense of reward for what? Disobedience. And your desire is that you will never have to use it. I hope you're getting my point. So anytime it is brought up, what does it mean? Turn and pray. And ask, where is God my maker? That is, God's desire, God's will is a come out of this affliction. I hope you're getting my point. So how do I come out? What they were misinterpreting those days is that, so Christians are saying that, stay there, stay there, it's pleasing God. No, we never said so. I wasn't there preaching. I don't believe those who said it, those they said it. Unless somebody has misunderstood it, because there are people who preach righteousness that says the more pain you feel, the more you are pleasing to God. It's true, they preach it. Yeah, that's why people want to fast and die, so that God can hear them. You know me? I don't believe a word of it. Because an unconscious in our mind, the more I suffer, the more God will hear me. It's not true. You know what I said? It's what? Not true. I will say it again. God doesn't hear the man who has eaten less than he hears the ones who has not eaten. He hears them according to faith in their hearts. But like I keep on saying, you know when I get there, I always have to explain. Do you understand? I keep on saying, so what is the Christian fast? You see, you actually can't pray effectively without understanding. You can't. He said, guard your steps. Watch your steps when you approach the temple. Draw near to do what? That's fast. That's Christian fast. The drawing to listen. Just like I'm saying, look, Christianity is very practical. If, let me just say this. Some people need to hear this. If you are trying to do something again and again, which you know you should do and it's not working, you know what you do? Go on a fast. Now, when I say fast, it's called discovery. It's called due diligence. You know what it's called due diligence? If I want to buy a company, tell me it's worth $5 million. So I'm to give you $5 million and you give me the controlling shares. Or maybe I give you $4 million, you give me 80%, whatever it is. I don't just give you money because you said so. I'll get my accountants. I'll get my lawyers. They'll collect your books. I'll give them pay private investigators. The license they gave you, when did they give you? When is it expired? What's the value of the license? How much cash do you have in the banks? How much are you owing? Because you can have 200 million naira in the bank. Meanwhile, you are owing GT Bank 150, Zenith 350, Access Bank 100. And you have told them just wait first because you want me to see your bank balance. <laughs> I will check all, it's called due diligence. I will do all of those things before I now put a value on your, on your asset. And that's okay, this is how much I want to pay. That due diligence is what I'm talking about. You have to check everything. You're trying to do something once, twice, three times, it's not working. You're in the office, you think you are due for promotion. By the way, no human being can stop your promotion. I have stopped people's promotion before. And I'm still telling you, no human being can stop your promotion. You just say, Pastor Banky, are you congratulating yourself? I will get there in a moment. Let me say to you, no human being can stop your promotion. And let me tell you another thing. You're a child of God. No human being can successfully promote you. Say, Pastor Bank, why did you not use the word successfully? Because they can temporarily promote you against the will of God, and you have been set up for problems. I hope you're getting my point. If you compromise divine standards to get human promotion, you will get it. You can't get it. 
But if God doesn't, if God was not the one that gave it, just know you have bought trouble. That is, you woke up in the morning, you bought trouble. And it came in the form of promotion. Let me leave that one there. I need to explain that. You say, ah, Pastor, how did you stop somebody's promotion? Ah, I was heading the department. That was many years ago. One of my staff misbehaved. I told her the right things to do. He disappeared from work for this length of time. This is how you are going to make amends. Write this letter, do this and this. She refused. Because somebody has advised her that it's not good. So I said, you know, my spirit will not always strive with man. That's not what God said. I won't quarrel with you. Except that promotion time now came. Appraiser from did not give it to me. I said, who? You. I collected it. He said, this I will not sign. I gave you an instruction. Yes. Go and do it first. Kept it there. The whole year passed. That's it. Eternally lost. You know civil service, the way it is now. Eternally lost. The second year, I was going to do it again. No? Ah, you didn't know this guy. Say, this paper is not... There's no fight. Oh. You can call everybody. If you want, go and call the biggest people. I will explain. And you will now see your unrighteousness. And the person shut up. So, am I, now let me ask you. Am I the one that saw the promotion? Well, you can go everywhere and say that this man doesn't like me. Actually, <laughs> one day, Sudan told me that. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. I have a feeling you don't like me. I said, a feeling? <laughs> if it's a feeling, it shouldn't be a feeling. Let me tell you so that there will be no confusion. I don't like you. <laughs> I said, oh, I said, <laughs> I remember that day. I saw the fellow. I said, you have a feeling? It shouldn't be a feeling. I think it is clear. Read my lips. I don't like you. I said, but why don't I like you is a question. I said, you are lazy. You are irresponsible. And I don't like lazy and irresponsible people. For you, know, then we became very good friends. Because he woke up and realized that, in fact, why, why he woke up was that after spending more than eight years in university, he was about to be withdrawn without anything. He came and said, sir, I have sinned. I said, yes. He and his friend, they became so serious, I had compassion on them, you know. I needed to say that because many people who claim they are persecuted, they are, they are, even God will persecute them. I just needed to drop that, all right? I told that story to let you know that it might look like a human being withheld your promotion. The truth is that no human being can. I only know that no human being can. What I came to teach today is to explain again, which was why I said that we've taught this since before. I wanted to explain again why Christians can have problems, even though we said only God is in their lives. That's what I came to do. The truth is that no human being can. You know? You know how God is very alive and is very well. He's very involved. He's very involved. He's extremely... And that's why I have learned to pray to him about everything. Including things that concern people I can see. Like me and EEDC, we have fought a lot in this life. If you have ever had problems with EEDC, wave your hands. Ah. It looks like every landlord here has had problems with EEDC. When I say landlord, now every ogre of a house. Then I carried their matter to God in prayer. I luckily nailed them and explained to God. People say, who is EEDC? This is the electricity distribution company in our country. And it's our own region here. I literally will put their matter to prayer. If my car is giving me recurrent problems, I literally pray about it. Literally. And literally we say, Lord, this engine, we've spent money on this. Last, we spent money last month. It's malfunctioning again. 
So I may call the person that will repay it, but before he comes, I have prayed. I literally have prayed. If you are doing something for me, I pray that God will guide your hands. I literally do it. And I actually expect that he will. If you can't fix it, he will send somebody who can. If he has to send an angel who will buy overall too and come and give you counsel, he will. You know, angels actually also repair things while you are sleeping. So I give you my machine or my car or something, and you literally, that angel will literally, while you are sleeping, fix something and leave the one that you can fix for you to find. Do you know they do that? They will enter into a complicated machine, rearrange the inner part. They tell you that the, person, the only person that can repair it is coming from Germany. You don't have German money. Are you getting my point? You don't, okay, okay. the person that can't even come until COVID is over. That don't have vaccine passport yet. And you have to produce. You know, you can literally kneel down there and pray, say, Lord, help me fix this. And you will send two angels. And that's why you must sleep. What did I say? That's why you must sleep. You must sleep. Because there are jobs that God does not do when people are awake. Because when you are awake, it's a sign you are still struggling. So you will do like this. Sometimes you lock the door. If I say, guys, no production today and tomorrow. Everybody is weekend. Okay, it's a public holiday. Go home. Lock the doors. Keep the security men there. And everybody go home. The angels will say, ha, how are we supposed to fix this machine when it's always working? Check it, all the time. Then when you turn them off, they will not settle down. Literally, they will fix it. Now, when God has done something spiritually, it can appear in the physical in strange ways. You come on Monday morning, after you've shut down the place since Friday, maybe four days, Seth, you took, it's a public holiday, was on Thursday and Friday, you added Saturday and Sunday because weekend, and you tell everybody, go home and go and rest. And you two, you rested. You went to church on Sunday, you worshipped. You even forgot about the factory. You are not, you now show up on Monday morning. As you are opening the door, there are different ways. Maybe somebody will come earlier and say, ah, sir, we discovered that there was a particular fuse they did not put and this and just tell one long story. And literally, that's really what happened. Maybe he's walking past. He found something on the ground. He picked it. He said, what is this? And that person said, it's supposed to be one of those fuses. He goes in, puts it in, changes one or two cables, and the machine starts working normally. Now, let me tell you something. It's a setup. What do I call it? The angels finish repairing. Then they put something out there for an average person to do. To explain, so that you can tell the story of what happened. You now come, praise God, praise the Lord. My God is good. All the time, you know, last week, we're having this problem in the office, but on Monday, God put the spirit, God said, we have to tell the story. You now tell that short part of it. We did not know that it was some that can't, you only cost only 300 naira. And we're planning to spend 3 million. God said, yeah, you have left to spend the 7 million. You will have understood. It didn't cost 300 naira. I sent people to fix it. But there had to be a story. So they converted it to a 300 naira fix and left it for you to do. That's how God does things. It's not everything. He does miracles that cannot be explained. He does it all, but he will explain it for us in simple ways. One thing I've noticed I mean, I've traveled a lot with car and all of that. Almost every time my car has broken down the way, all these years, it has almost always broken down near where to be easily fixed. One day my wife and I were coming. 
from Benin many years ago. I just heard, I felt, I thought I heard something give in the car. Like, no, just kind of hear that sound, but you don't hear, you feel the sound. Uh, so I said, what is that? Of course. She didn't, know, she didn't even know what I felt. Next thing I knew, I saw all my lights on the dashboard come on. I said, oh, that's my fan belt. So I allowed the car to roll. By the time the car stopped, we're just getting to the junction, so many junction in Asaba. Just called our brother, hey, we are near your house. Where are you there? Sent a mechanic, fixed in a few minutes. One of the, the one that happened last, was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. That by the time the electrician checked the car, he couldn't believe that I said I drove the car from Enable. And I did. Drove the car, big, that massive engine. Was it inside it, AC blowing. Got to Benin, I dropped the kids. So next day we're supposed to come back. And the Lord just said, where are you running to? Now, what do I mean by that? Because my father-in-law had the good laugh. <laughs> he said, we have not finished with you people yet. That's why you can't go. Because my wife and I said, we are leaving, we are leaving, we are leaving next morning. We said, we're okay. We left the kids behind. We are going, we are going, we are going. So my wife said, please, can we just drive down the road? I want to pick something from the restaurant. As I drove out, my car stopped there. Ah, let me make the story short. We had to get another battery to just manage to drive the car back home. The electrician came next day and said the alternator was dead. Ah, when did he die? To him, it must have been long ago. I said, no, 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 it's not possible. I drove this car all the way from Enugu. My AC was on throughout. And uh, God just carried you, Richard. As far as it's concerned, how you reach it, I don't know. This thing is not working and it's not now it's spoiled. It didn't spoil when I was, it didn't stop when I was on the highway. So let me get to where I was going. They told my wife to tempt me to drive out. And I drove out. Then So right inside town. Just down the street from the house. So my father was laughing. I wanted to go in. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> of course, we had to stay an extra day because the guy had to be holding to fix it. Came to remove the stuff, went and fixed it and brought it back. And that God, God has done that to me again. And the reason we came from Lokoja the other day, I was telling you guys. He did the same thing. Reverend and I got to a junction. He said, do we go this way or we take this other road? After we finished, he said, let's go this way. We didn't know God was leading us to a mechanic. We had another reason for taking that longer route, but we just got a particular junction. Where was that? At, um, what's the name of that town? Ayongba. Is Ayongba, right? Yes, at Ayongba, yes. As not, you just turned right this way. I just said, please, that this noise, we have to investigate it. We parked, found out that our back tire was really heating up the rim. And we're just like... 50 meters from a mechanic on a Sunday for your information. We just stopped at one guy's place. He said, uh, we said, okay, please, where's the organizer here? He said, no, around. What do you want? We said, our car has a problem. We just wanted to ask him for where we can. He said, oh, the guy said, no, 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 no. There's a mechanic there. Just, just, and he just came, pointed the guy out. So the guy just said, okay, okay, come, come, come. You know, just like that. Oh, that was about to close, but this man was wasting my time. So he came to work on Sunday. I was about to close. The one man wasted his time till we got there. And the Lord led us right there. He has done that thing for me so many times. I'm describing God who is very, very involved. He's very involved. You know, I told this story before of this particular man. Um, his name just escaped me now. One of our brothers here gave me his messages some time ago of how he developed his skin cancer when he found as a white man had malignant melanoma. And then when he found out, he and his wife said they should pray. His wife said they should pray. And he told his wife that, sorry, my faith is too low. I really can't pray right now. So the wife, the wife asked, okay, so what are we going to do? He said, okay, let's do something. 
let's pray. He couldn't pray for healing. So let's pray that it will not be as bad as the doctor said. So they joined their hands and prayed that, Lord, please, let this cancer not be as bad as that doctor said, because it was a death sentence that had just been issued. Well, they referred them to MD Anderson, one of the biggest cancer centers in America. So they got there, saw the new doctor, uh, the doctor they referred him to. Now looked at the report. Said, all right, I'll get our pathologist to look at your, the biopsy. So they sent the pathology, uh, the biopsy, the pathologist at MD Anderson. That one looked at it and wrote a report and gave it to the doctor. The doctor and I said, oh, I have good news for you. Recently, a new kind of melanoma has been described, which does not spread downwards. It spreads laterally. So it takes time to dig deep, which is where the problem would be. Yes, we calculate the levels. So this one will t- tend to be on the superficial level for a while, and that is the type that you have. So we can take it out by surgery, and you get a total cure. Took him to the theater removed the tumor, did this and that, and the man was 100% cured. Just like he prayed. You know what he prayed? He prayed that it wouldn't be as bad as, and exactly what God did. What am I talking about? You know, God is very involved. Yeah, he's very involved. He's very, he's very, the problem we have is what they call unbelief, lack of faith. So that even though Jesus is there, he can cast out demons, he can't. Why? Because the man is saying, Lord, if you can do anything. I've been talking to your disciples, they can't help if you can do anything. And Jesus said, if I can? No, no, it's not if I can. It's if you can believe. And he prayed, Lord, help my unbelief. And like we said on Tuesday, that unbelief was what made that demon difficult to cast out. And Jesus had to cast that one out through prayer. Something he normally doesn't do. And that's why he told the disciples what he said. Now, I'm just going to explain something. It's unbelief that prevents God from getting as involved in our lives as it should be. Many things have taken our faith. Now, why did I get into that? I was trying to explain something, right? How God is actually trying to, is working in our lives. So, it takes us spiritually and says, see this part of you, I have to remove it. And he's very patient. Because now if you say that this anger is just the only problem I have, God say that is the only problem I have too. So two of us. <laughs> you is your character problem. Me is the problem I have with you. I hope you're getting my point. So when God says the problem I have, I don't mean he has an anger problem. What I mean is that just like he says the only problem you have, I recognize it, he's saying. And I will solve it. There's only one problem. It's not in a hurry. You are better hurry. I hope I like my rhymes. The Lord is not in, that is, he's very patient. If you say, Lord, it's 10 years we used to cure this anger. No problem. The affliction that that anger will bring into your life, we, take, we, stay, we stay 10 years. That's all. One day you will say, okay, what do I do now to make this boy understand that this anger can be removed? Because to him it's not hard. It's you that's holding on to it. So okay. Go and provoke him to slap soldier. That's all. <laughs> God is not fighting you. You go and slap one that they just posted from Zamfara. He's still angry with bandits. I hope you're getting my point. And then to make it worse, he doesn't speak English well. He will make you an example. The time is done with you. It's not him, it's God. God will not let you know. See, this anger can be controlled. 
you are the one that was saying that, uh, you know, in our family, you know, what people saying in our family? Just tell the person, mission, keep quiet. People will be holding on to bad habits and using their bad, the bad part of their family as an excuse. That's what happened to Jacob. Now he said, you know, me, ah, a man has to be smart. No, no problem. You want to see smartness? No trouble. Laban, I got a job for you. Laban said, what job is that? Finish him. <laughs> Laban said, what else? I'm going to change his wages ten times. Oh, Laban did bad though. Imagine you chasing a woman for seven months. Seven months. And the seventh month, she now ran away, put off her phone, everything. You don't see her again. You know the way it is. I was, you remember now. <laughs> so now imagine this one, seven years. At the night of the wedding, you, they now gave you booze. <laughs> you now drank till you couldn't see again. You now gave it the wrong wife. And if you wanted that one under seven years of work. Oh, God. Laban was wicked. Every deal he made with Jacob, he broke. You know what God was doing? He was removing that craftiness from Jacob. Now, please, so it's, it's very important we get it. My emphasis right here and right now is that you can end the affliction. That's what, that's what I was going. That's what I was going. It's not saying that you know our family. That's how we are. And I'll be telling stories. Uh, you know, I grew up in a polygamous home, so we like to fight for our rights. Now you know, it's good. Then you go and pray and lay it down. Don't use it as an excuse for every bad thing you do. Realize it's a failing of your life. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, that's it. Because what annoys me about Christians is that they will be using it as defense. Those are early days of my I used to tell my wife, sometimes you know I'm a woman now. That thing annoys me. Don't use I'm a woman to defend bad things. If something is bad, it's bad. A bad thing is a bad thing. Whether done by a man or by a woman. Don't give it. I call them excuses for Satan. If something is bad, don't look for an excuse. Just recognize it is bad and drop it. How do we drop it in prayer? It's simply getting on the knees and confessing. I mean, this story I like to tell all the time. Ben Carson. Ben Carson had this hot temper thing because of his... No, I'm sorry, his father was part of it. The father left home and all of that. The thing was building him resentment. They were poor and all of that. Building, building. One day, he didn't know how angry he was as a person until he caught himself about to hit his mother. But good enough, his brother Curtis was there. So that one grabbed him. That was the first sign of how bad his anger was. He didn't know he was about to hit his own mother. But good enough, Curtis caught him. I can imagine God saying that this boy, your life is what we are discussing here. The next thing, his friend offended him on a trivial matter. And he took a knife, boom, into the boy's stomach. And God said, good, see the point? But the, the angel of God put a hand there and blocked the knife from penetrating the boy's stomach. How did it appear? It appeared as if the boy was wearing a belt, which was raised up higher than he realized. And the metal belt cuts the knife. And the knife broke. To let you know the amount of force he used. The knife broke. His friend, that is, his friend couldn't believe it. What did I do to you now? So the boy ran away. 
he too ran away and entered into the closet in the house, closed the door, and said, no, my life is over. I was just about to go to prison for the rest of my life. I was just, that is, he, he just, you know, in his head, he just saw what happened. The young man died. Police arrested him, charged him to court. Okay, they won't call it first-degree murder, maybe secondary-degree murder, and say, try him as an adult. You know, Americans, you know, in America does not have a justice system. You know, I've told you before. What do they have? A vengeance system. Vengeance is mine. Says on Kusam. That's just the way they are. They don't have a justice system. It's vengeance. They, they, they sentence you based on how angry they can whip up the sentiment. So they have what they call victim um, impact testimony. Someone will now come, ever since he killed him, nobody in our family has slept. And that was eight months ago. What? He was the only breadwinner. So now everybody is dying regularly in the family. Eh? One crime you committed, they'll get the whole village to testify about the impact. So the judge will look at say, look at you. Count one, life imprisonment. Count two, 35 years imprisonment. Count three, two life imprisonment. <laughs> By the time they are done with you, even your cops <laughs> will go to jail. <laughs> because he saw how his life was over. You know, the thing, thing just flashed in his head. So this, this man making, he went in. I don't know how many hours he said he was in there. By the time he came out, the spirit of anger had been removed. The spirit of anger had been removed from his life. And please, you know, we need to understand that. We began to speak, let's explain it last time. That's what God is doing in our lives. And my emphasis today is, listen, it's going to take his time. Don't, you had better wake up every day. You know, this morning we were praying. <laughs> Pastor Kevin was praying. Why did the co-worker me this morning? And I said, let's thank God that we are doing what he said we should do. I said, who told you? When he finished praying, I said, bros, I better not talk that thing again. I said, well, thank God we are still on the path. I said, you, we don't miss rotating. You are still on the path. <laughs> no, really, I told everybody, said, that prayer, I gave thanks, but lie, lie. I didn't join the prayer and say, Lord, we thank you. We are doing. I said, no, 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 no. Thank you. We want to do what you say we should do. Now, check. Are we doing what we say we should do? That was what we concluded on. You can't, every man's way is right in his own eyes. Like I said, remember what I said? I said, maybe we're on the right path, but we are slow. Okay, God's all right. I'm not quarreling with you about the path. You're on the right angle of movement. That is good. That's a vector. Go straight. But what about your velocity? What I said, accomplishing. Two years. You guys are on the seventh year. You haven't done it. And you are there thanking God. Father, we thank you because we're on the right path. God said, I know too. It's the speed we are talking about now. So how do you pray? Every day you pray. Try me, O Lord. Let's open to it. Psalm 139, quickly. It's so crucial. We said last time, God said we have to be countable. That is, we must be people he can count. When he goes to Sodom and is counting ten righteous people, we must be people that he can count. What we are trying to explain is that let's understand spiritual laws which operate in our lives as believers. That's what faith is. Understanding those spiritual laws. Understanding that the devil is not the one controlling our lives. God is using things around. Yes, there's perfection in Christ. What about the outward manifestation of it? And that's what the Lord is working on. Verse 23. 
says, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. It's an important prayer. Test me, know my anxious thoughts, he said. Point out, that's verse seven. 24 of um, New Living Translation. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Point out anything in me that offends you. It's an important... Anybody who's praying this doesn't know the thing. He probably thinks he's pleasing God in everything. I hope you're getting my point. This is an important prayer. I don't think any a week should pass and we don't pray this prayer. Because what God is looking for, that's the point I'm trying to make. There's something I said to us before. You see... Life is spiritual. One day, we are going to get to another level, another realm, and we'll look back, and the things of this earth will now look different. That is, we'll appreciate it differently. For example, all the, the time we're talking about uh, African countries and all of that, they generally have been more backward than, um, like, European countries and, you know, related, you know, th- those people share. And, of course, it looks bad. You know, it looks bad. It looks bad. But after we discovered Christ, we discovered another thing. That actually is not bad. It's a good thing. Yeah, it sounds bad, physically speaking. But the truth is that you are likely to discover God quicker than the person who has materially fully prospered on this earth. He starts saying there is no God. Why? Because God blessed him so much. God had to warn Israel. We read that last week when we were reading that Deuteronomy chapter 8. He said, otherwise you will become full, satisfied, then you will not take the name of the Lord in vain. You will not deny the Lord. That's what happens. When people are full, they tend to deny God. Have you ever seen a community of poor people that say there's no God? Where have you seen it? Desperation, they will pray. In desperation, they will discover things. But when one, when two generations have passed and they've been in absolute quiet, they have been in peace, they have predictably been able to sow and reap. You know, if you go to some of these countries, you start school, 20, 21, they will give you a graduation date in 2025. And it hardly shifts. You know that? You know? <laughs> Praise God. Nigeria, you know the day you enter. God knows the day you are leaving. Somebody knows it. It may not be you, but the Lord knows it. Especially when you go to a government school. So the private people were now making us that we are not like that. God said, eh. Give them COVID. My COVID lock everybody, even private. But <clears throat> before COVID, most of those schools are abroad. They, they, that is, they tell you the date. You can buy your flight ticket. You can tell your father, please come for my graduation in maybe September 15th, 2025. And you're just starting school. They've told you the date already. And they're not going to shift it. That's why they say there's no God. Because they've done every godly, God, godly things. Is my English good? They've done the things that God should do. They fixed a date and it stood. They began to predict the weather. That's how they began to think that they are the ones warming the globe and they can cool it if they want. These are thoughts that don't enter the heads of African men. <laughs> if the globe is warming, we pray to the gods. That is the only thing we can get wrong. Who we pray to? But to think we are the ones, like, like, we, we, don't, we don't think such nonsense thoughts. Who are we? And believe me, it may sound bad, but spiritually, it's good. We connect to God faster. 
I've heard the testimony from many missionaries that when they come to Africa, the way they see miracles, that is, oh, you both pray a preacher that does not know he's anointed. When, when they will just, you just follow his friend down to Africa for crusade. He'll just lay hands on the sick. Sick will recover. Ah! <laughs> he's checking his hand. is hot. It's not the hand. It's the person he lays hands on has nowhere else to go. I don't believe God or I die. I had one man, I think it was a person that told the story, he went to Pakistan. He had never seen anything like that. He said, the, the way deaf ears and, you know, dumb tongues were being loosened and deaf ears were opening, even he was alarmed. A rural, you know, Muslim village in Pakistan, before they know, it was like, ah, people were just believing, like, tap, 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 ears popping open, blind eyes opening. The guy had been in London for a very long time. Those who were deaf, by the time he made, met them, were deafer. <laughs> by the time he was leaving them. But people didn't believe anything. There's too much prosperity. I'm going to read your scripture. That's what happened to the church in Laodicea. We have need of nothing. We start having ideas. So listen, the truth is that that's, we talked about this a few weeks ago here. That see, the descendants of Ham, yes, they have problems. But they also have a massive advantage. Yeah, they have a massive advantage. I have a personal conviction, just my own thoughts. I'm not saying you must believe it, just my conviction. They are the ones that will evangelize the Arabian countries. You see, the Arabian countries, they are all going to believe in God. Christ, that's what I mean. Two things will happen. Those who don't believe, they are going to perish out of the way. See, this Bojar Arab, you know how tall it is? Boj Khalifa. One or two things. All of you, they are better believe, or an angel will push those buildings into the ocean. You know, they are very close to the sea. Just topple them over. And it's going to happen. Most likely in your lifetime. It's not a, I'm not saying something like that. It is going to happen. The only reason why it will not happen is that nationally, they decided to believe in Christ. If anybody continues to unite, because you must understand something. You know, Islam has been very powerful for a very long time. People now think they're going to be powerful forever. It's not true. I hope you know, I hope you know it's not true. Oh, it's not true. No, look, listen. Let the tree grow, grow, grow. The day of God's judgment, they are taking it down from the root. That's the way it works. No, there's this unconscious thing in people's minds. They just think that the only thing you are seeing on this earth that will endure to the end is Christ. Communism went down. It's so, it, it went so down, it was unbelievable. I still remember those early days when I was a young student on campus. We thought that I mean, the impression we were given was as if it was going to last forever. Those guys, you know, militarily, they were powerful. Could match America. And they were conquering nations. And one day God said, okay, it's enough. It's enough, it's enough. Nobody should fire any weapon. Crumble it from inside. That's exactly what happened. So, what I'm trying to say, listen. I believe that it is, I just made a statement, you know, I just want to explain that quickly. I believe that the evangelism of those nations can only come out at least spurred or initiated by African countries. Why? Because our brethren from North America and Europe, the Europeans don't believe nothing anymore. One or two Germans are still preaching, we thank God for them. Americans believe a lot of false doctrines. God cannot use, it's very unlikely, let me say God cannot, it's pretty unlikely 
that the movement to take that area will come from them because what they are teaching is wrong. Yeah, they are teaching focus on that geographical area. It's very wrong. Their teaching is wrong. Their teaching does not... See, many times I, I, I tune the TV. One man will wear one long thing like this. What do they call that? That's English. Now I'm talking about the Hebrew. Is it short in English, too, in Hebrew too? But you know what I'm trying to say? There's this thing they will wear like this. Uh, and, oh, God forgive me. <laughs> Once I see, it, I see it, I change the channel. Yeah, I do. I change the channel. Maybe it's wrong. I'm not saying it's spiritual. I, I get easily... Yes, I get easily irritated by it. And my reason is, is because of the things Brennan have preached over time. They have subtly glorified Judaism. It's subtle. So I get easily turned off. You know when people are going around blowing shofar? I hope they have stopped. They are still blowing it. I have prayer shawl, you know. People, I've seen Africans wear prayer shawl. They said they have prayer points at the edges of the, the tie inside. Cro, uh, what do you call them? Tassels. Uh, this cro cro thing there. As it's shaking, God, is here, God will open it and be reading it. You know, I see, so I'm sorry, I really apologize. A lot of times, when I see those things, I just change the channel. The one, you remember the one that came to, 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 to Enugu? Descendant of the 12 tribes of Israel. I can't want to descendants of 12 tribes. You have to choose the tribe you are coming from. <laughs> you didn't see the poster all over town? A descendant of the 12 tribes of Israel. Eh? Now, wow. Oh, bros, how you take that? <laughs> Only you. Descendant of the 12 tribes. Is it subtly they glorify Judaism? That's what I'm making. They don't preach Christ. I'm sorry. They mention the name of Jesus, but the glory is not given to him the way it should be given. It's given to Hagar. And Sarah is wondering what's going on. Yes, if you read Galatians, you get my point. It's given to Hagar, and Sarah is just confused. What is going on here? And they suddenly try to pass it on to you that, uh, you see, if you want to be blessed, you embrace a Jew. With all the Christians in Enugu. Now, what, what I'm going to emphasize is that, okay, let me give an example. You know, over the last few weeks, um, few days, let's say, until yesterday, Israel and um, Hamas, they were fighting. You know, my problem with Christians is that they defaultly take the side of Israel. They don't know what happened, though. They don't care. Now, my, you see, Pastor Ben, what's your, what's your anger? My anger is that, how do you expect a Hamas follower to ever believe in your Christ? Think about it for a moment. Why, why should he? He said, what should a Christian do if you're given the opportunity? He said, guys, please stop fighting. Please, can we sit down and talk? Treat them equally with the spirit of Christ that loves both of them equally and owes none of them anything. I hope you understand that. Then he can really be truly the prince of peace to both parties. The way Americans preach to that region that region is going to be more difficult to evangelize every day. With all the money they are raising, nonsense. Nothing is going anywhere. They are not even telling the Jews to believe. They are telling that God loves you specially. No matter what you do, deny him he loves you. He's so faithful. He has promised your fathers he's going to give you back this land. And so the guys continue. They were one of the, natural is, this Israel of today, 
they were one of the first countries in the world to recognize same-sex marriage. If I'm mistaken, they, not really. These uh, perversions we talk about, they were one of the first to legally open the door for everything. Why? Because they want everybody to cooperate, to defend. So they didn't want to alienate anybody. And, you know, I've never, I'm not saying nobody has ever said it. I've never heard one of these, my brethren, preaching from North America, say anything about it. I've never heard one. I have never heard one. They've, even if you say, you are following the law, okay? And that's what, the base of your support and all of that. Read the law to them now. Why are you afraid to read it to them? You don't. That's why I say what I say. Oh, these are my reasons. So, oh. After watching it, I said, no, no, no. The evangelism of that region, God has left it for us. All those of you here are here, listening to me, honestly. Because you are the only ones that don't care who's who. Good enough. Apart from Nam, there's no Jew in Nigeria. <laughs> so for us, every reason there, we don't, you know, we don't owe anybody anything. I hope I get my point. Some of us don't have a background that, that naturally supports the Palestinians. So the way we are in Nigeria is that we are Christians and Muslims, naturally speaking. They will give our lives to Christ with both backgrounds, and then we share out the support. So when we get to that kind of situation, we pray for everybody equally. If they are fighting, we will come in without any, any preference, no bias. We will pray. We will say, brethren, please let us sit down. To us, both of them are our, in quotes, brethren. Descendants of Abraham, descendants of Abraham. Denier of Jesus, denier of Jesus. What's the difference? Both outside Christ. Both Jesus died for. Equally. That's where we see it. That's why I believe. That's just why, like I said, I'm not being dogmatic about it. I'm giving you my opinion, but I'm just trying to explain my opinion. So whatever problems we have, we have faced in this world has actually, all right, those problems have actually prepared us for the work that God has for us to do. That's what I'm making. We have faced adversity. We have become tough. We have become strong. One day very soon, God is going to release missionaries from all over Nigeria. You say that uh, they are clean that place. Say, do you know where I'm from? Say, I'm from Bono State. I survived Boko Haram. So where else? You will see Missionaries that are so tough, they are not, they literally are not afraid of bullets. Cooked in this kind of environment. Please, I hope you are getting my point. No, really. Even the, I said, one day we will see from a different realm. You will see that even the adversities we have gone through in this life, they are working for us an eternal weight of glory. Do you know the truth? They are working right now. That's why I pray for us. Listen, everybody, pray that God will let your eyes see from above, not from beneath. If you look, you invested money, I hope not in Bitcoin, but let's even assume it's Bitcoin. <laughs> and your money is gone and it's not going to come back. Now, <laughs> so people are arguing. Why can't you say like that? Because quick money is your problem. Let me quote it for you again. The righteous will flourish like what? Oh, if you are looking for crypto to make you rich, you will flourish like a mushroom. <laughs> Overnight, don't grow. With that sharp, sharp. You know, <laughs> if too many flies fly past the mushroom. You know that it will wither. <laughs> if it's too hot, it will wither. I hope you are aware of that. Uh-huh. But palm tree will even withstand fire. And a little bit of water, it will grow again. You will flourish like a palm tree. Yeah. Nobody should try and tempt you to try to flourish like a mushroom. Okay? 
You don't need a mushroom flourishing. So, whatever it is, you kept money and you lose it. That's what I'm making. You know, there's something the Bible says that even if you lose a loved one, what does it say? Don't mourn like those that don't have hope. That's a whole human being. A brother, a sister died. He said, don't mourn like those who don't have hope. Now, that's a whole human being. So what about when money dies? We should not mourn like those that don't have hope. So if investment dies, what do we do? We, we, we just, in fact, we don't even mourn at all. We learn our lesson that we move on. And we'll give the Lord thanks and we'll move on. One of the things I've realized in this life, when it comes to money especially, I do that, me and the Lord. Listen, if I'm going on the road, as an example, and something terrible happened maybe to my car, by accident, maybe I jammed, I, I climbed one sharp edge I did not know. My tire now, you know, bust, and that, that was the end of it. No problem. I'll put a spare, go home, and I'll be asking the Lord, what is the problem? I'm telling you how I behave. I will pray at the end of the day. I'll now ask the Lord something. Can I have my money back? I'm not kidding. I said, Lord, okay, we have learned the lesson. Thank you very much. We should not have gone there. We have gone. We have said sorry. You are forgiven. We won't go again. What about the money of the tire? <laughs> I'm not, what I've told you sounds funny, but I actually do it. That tire is 25K. I just called Uche. Now he helped me check in the market. I literally do that. So I said, this money I had here before, I don't think it was a bus tire. So next money you are sending, can you just put 25 on top so that my spirit can... <laughs> it sounds funny. Do you know, I literally do that. So when it comes to money matters, it really doesn't worry me anymore. I just... <laughs> If that one goes, we'll pray about it. You know what? The Lord, will, you know, the Lord knows how to restore. Ah, one of the easiest things for him to restore is money. Oh, that one is easy. It's, ah, it's not even one of the hard things. Oh, he has more difficult things to handle. And he can handle all of them. But one of the easiest ones is money. Job suffered for less than a year. It took him years to give him children back. The wife had to be delivering one after the other. The children had to take time to grow. Okay? But the money, in a short while, twice, it made people come back with gifts to, to Job. Hey, okay, Job, sorry. Just, just manage this $1 million check. By the time they finish, Job, smart businessman, after investing in a few months, boom, the money had doubled. And they counted it, everything became double. So, restoring money is the smallest thing for the Lord. To give Job back his children, it took time. And of course, like one man explained, and that's the only one he did not double. If you know, did you notice that? Gave them the same number of children back. Why? He said because he's still counting the first set. Yeah, that, that, that's the reason. So that God doubled everything. But that the Lord looked at and said, no, those children, they're not really gone. You can't see them, but they are still there. So he counted those children. They are his children. They give him another set. So by the time you count all of them, it was also double. But the new set of children is the one that even took time. A little bit of time. He gave him, he doubled the amount of time he had left on this earth. He doubled it also. I'm sure of that. So when it comes to money matters, that one is not even an issue. Oh God, it's not an issue. So it is forbidden that you lose money and you feel bad. I don't know when last I felt bad because I, my own is even difficult to feel bad because I know how to collect my money back. Take my money, I just look at, no, first thing is prayer. You give the Lord thanks, everything. I just look and say, Lord, you know that money was 500,000 here. Oh, God, I think I will want it back. Not for any other reason than let me just feel good. You know, there are things you do for the sake of the feel, the good, feel good factor. You can give me an throw it away, but at least let it not be that. Uh-uh, what is it? 
Don't worry, no, Bitcoin didn't say, she share of my money. Me? Anybody that promised us quick money, we don't like the person. Can I quickly drop that for you? If they say, just put money, tomorrow you'll be rich. Just say, I did not do it. If a pastor can't do it to me, how much more you, ordinary businessman? <laughs> no, think about it now. A pastor can't use that to get money out of me. Crypto investor is even if you get anointed. Anointed men have tried me and failed. <laughs> the Lord is good. Please, let's get to our message. We're just trying to warm up. <laughs> so God is working in our lives, okay? He's removing everything. If there's worry inside you, he has to remove it. If it's fear of tomorrow, he has to remove it. He has to establish total faith in him, in you. He has to. That is, total faith in God must be established in your life. So he works all the time. He uses adversity. He uses challenges. He uses even prosperity. And this is what, this is what he does. He trains. Then he tests. If you fail, you repeat. He trains. He tests. And like I said, this portion of the scriptures must be part of you. That's Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. What you want is that for God to remove it because those are the things that cause our destinies come to manifest quickly. A man like Moses, sometimes, you know, some of the things that we look at as good things, God looks at them as the reason why our destiny will not become exactly the way he planned it. Like Moses, strong, smart, able to arrange rebels, rebel army, to deliver the people. He was, he was already flexing muscle. There was one Moses movie I saw the other day. Very interesting. I, wanted to, I don't know the name of the movie, but there was one part of the, they acted that, one, that part well. So you see Moses plotting with the, with the people of Israel. All right, you guys go fire, you fire from this side, the boats will come here, and they will start shooting at. You're just trying to cause them um, war. You know, you want to fight. It's not in the Bible like that, just a movie, okay? And then the funny part of that movie, I don't understand that the angel that used to appear to Moses was one short guy. <laughs> A child, a literal child, a very small guy like this. So that guy will now come and say, so Moses will say, what are you doing? He's supposed to be an angel. He said, watching you fail. So Moses will be like, I could just did it, they watch. You'll see, we're going to get deliverance. We are going to get deliverance. So the guy said, no problem. So Moses and all his people will do some things, blow up some structures in Egypt. Then Pharaoh will come and kill, burn their houses, so the little angel will be looking at Moses. So after a while, Moses got tired. So the angel said, okay, why don't you step aside? Let me handle this matter. Now, it's not like that in the Bible, okay? It's just that the picture was really nice. Then that angel now began. One plague after another. And all Moses could do was watch. The way it is in the scriptures is a bit different, but the same lesson is there. Moses began as a strong man. So God said, no problem. Let's watch you. He went... Kill somebody. I'm here to make sure that you are free. He said, all right. The next day, he tried to settle quarrel. And one of them said, eh, you want to kill me the way... You see, it wasn't just that people knew that was the issue. It is also that he, didn't, he couldn't even be sure of the support of the people. They were, they were already quarreling amongst themselves. Like those of us in eastern Nigeria, we say we want to do one new country. Remember, we're already... <laughs> they were already quarreling amongst themselves. So God now told Moses. Now, for those who don't understand, Moses not run away. If you read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you will know that God told him, yeah, go away. He did not run away. 
Hebrews chapter 11 said us he left, not because he was afraid of the wrath of Pharaoh. It was God that moved him away and kept him in the wilderness for 40 years. My father. You know, God is so patient. That patience is not nice in our bodies. Because you know how he wore Moses out? Frustration. Moses was growing older and older by the day while he was getting tired. So by the time, look, I'm convinced of this. Because if you read the Bible, he says that when Stephen was speaking, he said he was eloquent. But when God spoke to Moses, Moses said, I'm slow of speech. What does that happen? It's been a while. Probably had a stroke somewhere along the line. Why are they laughing? How else do you become slow of speech? Um, do you get my point? How else do you become slow of speech? He wasn't young when God came again. Okay, he didn't have his stroke. He fell, hit his head, injured his brain. In case, in case you don't know, there's what we call broker speech center. <laughs> I think it's at the back of the head. If you hit your head, you won't talk properly again. No, something must have accounted for this law of speech because uh, Stephen told us that he was eloquent. As a young man, he could talk. And that was why he wanted to move the people. God said, this is your talk. Is the problem. I just asked my day of 75. He, one day they woke him up. He couldn't answer. So his wife shouted, Egg by me, egg by me. They, they carried him to hospital in court. They prayed for him. God healed all his arms, everything. Left that speech one a bit. You know David Paulson? He will tell you, if you listen to his latter messages, he will tell you that, that he has to talk a bit slow and that you remember he had a stroke. Yes. You, you've heard him say that? Yes. So you may be laughing at me, but <laughs> what I'm saying, I didn't mean this when I said it. But the man had become tired so much that, you know, Moses didn't, he, many people don't realize it. He didn't speak much throughout those things that happened. He didn't talk much. Aaron did all the talking. And Aaron was older than him. In fact, he was the youngest of the three. Miriam was a senior sister, proper senior sister. That was, that's what Miriam was. Now, the point I'm making is that God wore Moses out until he had no confidence left in himself. All his confidence had to be in God. By the way, can I quickly drop something? I hope you know you are very important. Don't kill people. What do I mean by kill people? If you put your hope in somebody and your hope is too much in that person, God can remove the person. That's what I mean by when I say don't kill people. Don't kill somebody. Don't go and kill your father or kill your uncle. I'm telling you. God would just look at what is all of this now? So just ask the person, are you doing anything on the earth? The person will say, not much. Come. Why? So that this is my son, this is my daughter would just start believing in me. Now, one of my guys, one day called me when we were in Lagos, was a little bit my junior in school. He just said, he said, Pastor Banky, I need to see you. He rushed to me. I said, what is the matter? He told me his life, short life story. I knew he went to school. The part of it that was interesting, he wanted to move those days to the UK. Well, in my opinion, why are you doing this? I'll tell you why, what I mean by that. Now, those days to pay for the visa interview, just to pay, was more money than we earned in a month. Now, the visa, American visa interview is like $150, right? I think $150, yes. Those days, whatever the, uh, the UK people were charging was definitely more than one month's salary. For a young doctor. I think it was more like, I think we're trying like 11,000 and we're generally earning like 6,000 a month. I'm not joking, if I, if I remember well. He had gone for the first interview and they, they, they denied him. 
I'm talking about the money. He went for the second one. They denied. I think they even advised him not to just bother. So he now told one man that he knew. That man now told him that, please, no, that's not how he's done. That next time you are going, all right, I will give you money. That guy said was going to arrange cash. There's a way what they're going to do. Make sure that he will show that he has a lot of financial backing. And then he'll go for the interview. So he paid for a third visa interview. It was the day before the interview, he shouted for me, please, he needed to see me. That we were talking. So I sat on that day. It was, not, it was not much younger than me. It was just about two, three years my junior in school. But we knew each other on campus. So he was looking. So when he finished talking, I said, so. So that day, that, I think the day we were speaking or the day before, he called the man's office to tell him that the interview was the next day. And they told him the man was dead. Do you hear what I said? That was when he saw me and said, Pastor Bank, I need to talk to you. So when he finished, the man died. What happened? They don't know. The man suddenly just fell, just overnight, just died. He died a day or two before his interview, and the man was supposed to help him arrange cash, with everything. He now said, what is he supposed to do? I said, in my mind, please, um, <laughs> better watch it, because this desk is getting closer at home, because, <laughs> yeah, really, really. You have paid for the visa interview. He said, yes. I said, okay, no problem. When is it tomorrow? I said, go. Just go like nothing happened. We didn't, I, I can't remember we were praying about anything. I said, just go. If they give it to you, fine. If they decline you, then it's the will of God. And he went, and they refused him. I, you know, so the way I believe, behave as a believer, I will leave that matter. If God wants me to come to that UK, he will fool me from there. Say, Lord, which UK? I'm not coming. You will send Aaron. You will send everybody to support me to go. That's where I am. Because I just felt that God has made it too clear. He, he exited a whole human being before his time. We said, how do you know it's not his time? Okay. He arranged you to meet him so that he can go be the day or two before your visa interview. You should have known that the Lord said, this guy will not help you. I'm not kidding. When he said the Lord's portion is his people, let me tell you, God is so jealous over the fact that many of us don't focus on him. I don't want to start plan B story again, but we have to address it. By the time God is done with you, you will not even plan A. You, won't have, you, you have only one plan, plan G. <laughs> you know what they call plan G? Plan God. Once you have any other rock apart from him, you are serving another God. It's called idolatry. He, the way he's working, there must be no other confidence in your life. If, if your certificate, say this certificate is the only thing I have, he will collect it. Uh, you know, it's not hard. You know, I, I, the way I've seen God these days, when he wants to collect your certificate, you know, go believe. He won't collect the, the, the one they printed. No, that's not an issue. He will make it useless to you. There are people who want to die to get the certificate. You finish getting it, they will not show that 200 people got it too. And 188 of them don't have a job. The certificate in itself is not the problem. It's the trust you have in it. You know what he said? Nebo bows down. Is it bell bows down? Nebo stoops over. Who bows down? Who stoops over? Where? Let's read it. God, no, you must understand. God has sworn. You know when he said God has sworn? Let me tell you what he has said about believers. Quickly, Isaiah chapter 46. Now we're going to read from 45. The bell and Nebo issue is 46. But let's just read up from 45. From verse 20, gather yourselves and come. Draw near together, you fugitives of the nations. They have no knowledge. Who carry about their wooden idol 
and pray to a God who cannot save. He said in verse 21, Declare and set forth your case. Indeed, let them consult together. Who has announced this of, from of old? Who has long since declared it? Is it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me. A righteous God and a Savior. Please, this is important. A righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. He said, turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. Now listen to verse 23. I have sworn by myself. And the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness. And will not turn back. What did I swear? That to me, every knee will bow. Every tongue will swear allegiance. They will say of me, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. The men will come to him. And all who are angry with him will be put to shame. You know, I've told you before. Any country gather and say that uh, the gospel of Jesus can enter there. They will be put to shame. Listen to this. What has he sworn? Verse 25. I have sworn that in the Lord all the offspring of Israel will be justified and with glory. Next verse says, Bel has bowed down. Nebel stoops over. Their images are consigned to the beasts and the cattle. The things that you carry are burdensome. A load for the overburdened or weary beast. They stooped over. They have bowed down together. They could not rescue the burden. Talking about God, though, but have themselves gone into captivity. Did you hear that? I don't want to continue reading. Let's just read the next two verses. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. You who have been born by me from birth, that they have carried you from birth, and have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I will be the same. Somebody say amen now. And even to your green years, I will bear you. I have done it, and I will carry you. And I will bear you, and I will deliver you. Please, I want you to go and read on your, by yourself again from verse 20 or 45 to that verse 4. You can continue reading you know, because he continues to talk. You will see what God is saying there. God said, this one I have sworn. Every one of my children will have no other confidence but me. So get ready. Anything you want to put confidence in, if it's a human, may pity the person, please. If it's a material thing, that one is good. It shouldn't pay you too much. If it's a job, it's coming for it. If it's your certificate, it's coming for it. If it is your passport... Some boy, you know, you want, you know, <laughs> there's this foolishness in Nigeria. Do they still do it? Woman get belly, he must go and born in America so that the became must get there. Uh, they still do that. When will people grow? Let's tell ourselves the truth. You give birth to your children anywhere, it won't save their life. One woman met me once, I went to preach somewhere. She said, all her friends go to deliver abroad. She wanted to go and deliver abroad. But her husband said, lie, lie. So now asking my advice, my man, you, wh- why do people like to ask questions when God has spoken? The man had the money. No, when is the money? The man had it. Like, how much is to be delivered abroad? $20,000. I have $200,000. I'm not giving it. The wo- she was pregnant at that time. She was telling me that, eh, she went to go and deliver her brother. So what is the problem, madam? That her husband has refused. And so what do you want me to do? And uh, what he's saying, is it good? What is bad about it? 
You know what happens that one of their friends delivered abroad long ago. The boy grew old. He had some issues. He committed suicide. So the man said the problem was where they gave birth to this boy. The man said the problem was where they gave birth to this boy. And for that reason, he told his wife, Lai, Lai, you are burning all my children where I can see them. So there's nothing the woman wanted to say. The guy just thinking of suicide, suicide. No, none of my children. <laughs> what am I going to say? There's no advantage anywhere. Please, where was Dangote born? Was he Egypt? I've been at Kano. Where, the, where you give birth to your children, if that is your confidence, God will frustrate it. Now, you know, please, I want you to understand what God is doing. He just wants to collect your faith away from other gods and put it on himself. And it's love. It's love. You know, when Jesus says, sell all you have and give to the poor, for that young man, it was crucial. To him, it was very important. God said, no, 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 you can't enter your destiny with this kind of confidence in wealth. You've been brought up with this kind of wealth you will never see. Let me tell you something about it. You must get this point clear. There was no other way to enter into destiny apart from the one Jesus gave that guy. You know, there are people listening to me now. I know what God is saying to them. I'm not, you may be here. You may be listening to me remotely. And what God is saying is that go and renounce your U.S. citizenship. You know people do that. Yeah, people do it. People do it. People do it all the time. A lot of Americans did that. They live in Ghana now. I don't know how many of them came to Nigeria, but some people did it. A lot of black Americans. They just got tired of American system. Like one guy who I listened to, he said, he's tired of being a citizen of America and feeling like a second-class citizen. So he moved to Ghana where he said where he doesn't stand out. That a policeman in Ghana will not profile him. He's black like everybody else. So he moved over to Ghana. And you just go to the embassy, give them their passport, fill some forms, and that's it. I'm not doing it again. Now, there are people listening to me. And God, you see, let me say something to you. There's something about the Lord. He's very, like I told you, he's very involved. And that one of the things about believers as you mature as a believer is to start noting the peculiar involvement of God in your life. He gives you an instruction. It doesn't apply to anybody else. That's what I call testimonies. If I talk about the different parts of the word of God. That young man, God spoke to that day, and he said to him, Jesus said, go and sell all you have and give to the poor. He turned away, and he didn't do that. That was the end of his life. No other spiritual progress possible ever again. Let me give you my prophetic. You know, there's a, the part of the prophetic job that's not nice. I've gotten there now. You know what I found out about Christ Jesus? If you're not ready for him, avoid him. If you are not ready for him, avoid him. Now, you that listen to me, you are not one of them because you didn't avoid him. You have jammed him already. Once you jam Christ, please hold on to him. Nobody jams Christ, goes away, and it's never normal again. You will become demon possessed. I'm not joking. Please, I, I didn't, did you see? You know, sometimes I laugh. I didn't laugh about that. See, when the Spirit of God departs from you, an evil spirit will always take the place. That is why, do you know who has been found out? Some of the greatest atheists in this world were Christians. They were Christians. Some of them serious Christians. The man that, um, um, our Indian prophet, 
called the warlock of Africa, was a Pentecostal preacher. He's in Ghana. All these people that do, uh, 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 what do you call it, your car number, all those fake, fake word of knowledge, that gives these fake, fake preachers powers. They said the man is in Ghana. And he was a Pentecostal preacher. Don't joke with salvation, though. <laughs> when you see what Paul said in that Hebrews chapter, um, chapter 6, please respect that thing. Respect it. Fear God, though. I reasoned about the other day. Listen, if you encounter the word of God, it's called the good word of God, and you turn your back on it, your life can never be normal. It's a, it's a demonic activity. Don't joke with the Lord, though. That man I said about, the one Jesus was talking about, when he says, sell all you have, give to the poor, the worst mistake he made was to come and ask that question. If he had kept quiet and stayed in his house, there would have been no problem. But you came to the Lord, he ought, his words don't return void. They will fight you till you go mad. <laughs> now, it was said, I don't know whether it's true, I read that one from John Gillick, that that young man eventually did that, and that's the person who came out to be Barnabas. They said, I don't know. But that, that's the tradition, okay? But if he never did, he has ended his own life there. Spiritually, you will never make progress. You can't encounter the truth of God, turn your back on it, and you'll never make spiritual progress in this life. It's not possible. So I reasoned about it a few days ago. Somebody led to it. I started thinking, ha, turn your back on the word of God. Your life will be a mess. You will look, yourself, you look at yourself in the mirror. You will hate yourself. And you know life is so spiritually controlled, you won't even know who... You'll just be wondering, what is running my life? So that's what I said to Christians. If you're not ready for Christ, don't come. It's not somebody you encounter. God is very jealous of his name. You can't come to him and you say there will be another God. He just... He has released a word already, frustration. It's called frustration. Every God you pursue in life, you will meet frustration there. If you never met him, you will not be as frustrated. But once you encounter the Lord, please, just stay there. Just stay there. God, you know, build your tabernacle. Stay with him. A man like Demas, I wish you could see the end of the life of Demas. It would have been a terrible end. He has made up his mind. He said, the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness. That's verse 23 of that Isaiah chapter 45. He said, that word has gone forth in righteousness. What have I said? I have sworn that they will say of me only in the Lord. And he said that to me, every knee will bow and every tongue will swear allegiance. They will say only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. Remember what he called himself? I am God. He called himself one name, 21. There is no other God besides me, a righteous God and what? Savior. Everybody read it for me. A righteous God and what? Savior. What does that mean? He's the one that will deliver you from poverty. He's the one that will deliver you from premature death. He doesn't want you to keep your eyes anywhere else. That's what he said. And for the child of God, this is what he has said. I have sworn that you will get the point. (laughs) You know what I said? God said, I'm on your matter. You will get the point. Let me end with this. Every believer, look at your life. Every frustration in your life, look and say, God, what is the point? Because that's what he's saying. You must get this point. You must get the point. You know, the other day, you know, when when they started saying that um, they want to increase fuel price, you know, that kind of thing. 
yeah, you know, they say the fuel pump price will now be 300 and something uh, naira. Well, that's pretty, pretty expensive. I mean, you are paying about the same as Americans. I don't know. But when I read it, I did a small calculation how much now cost of food. I, what I said, I said laughing. I said laughing. And let me just tell you, please go and learn to laugh. A laughter is a sign of the victory of the Lord. Let me say it again. Laughter is a sign of the victory of the Lord. When you hear anything, first thing you do, laugh. When I say Boko Haram is coming, laugh. Don't wail. It's a sign of defeat. You must laugh. Now, back to my issue. When I saw it, I laughed. I know one reason why I laughed. Not because I thought, ah, this is so cheap. No. I realized that if I worry, the Lord will be angry. I told you what happened to me now. They said they wanted to increase tariff of um, ADC. So I went and bought plenty, and the Lord was displeased. My meter burnt. I told my wife, go and buy for your school. She bought all the things tied leaking into the wall. Meter that had been working normally. What they will use before in 20 days will disappear in one day. It became an issue. What is going on? Me, you know, people will say, ah, what? me, I knew the lesson. I, I told the Lord, I'm sorry. Sorry now. Me, I, I learned my lesson. So when they said they are going to jack up uh, this thing, I said, jack it up. I'm not joking. I won't even fill my tank. If he says tomorrow, I just drive past. He said, Pastor Banky, see, Fred is going to be 400 tomorrow. Today is still 165. You'll just be amazed. I will just drive home and go and pack. Then when they have changed the meters to 400 naira, I will drive back and go and buy. And I just, when I finish buying, I'll do the load like this. Pay. Let me say this to you. He will pay. I'm praying for you. Amen. No matter how expensive things become, he will pay all your bills. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You were paying rent before with difficulty. Alright? Just managing to pay. Then things became costly, or they will become costly. Then you will own the house. Amen. You know what I said? I have sworn. You must understand it's a project. The lost project is that eh, you will get the point. You will know that I am God the Savior. So when you hear that price wants to go up, please don't panic. Don't open your mouth and say, in this country, what is going to happen? What's the first thing you do? Laugh. Let the spirit, you must understand. The laughter is a sign of victory. Why do the people rage? The people are imagining a vain thing. The kings of this earth, they gather themselves together. He that sits in the heaven shall what? Laugh. That is what he does. It's his answer to threats. It's not a joke. He doesn't say, oh, this thing is very funny. No. His laughter is his answer to threats. It's a sign of victory. It's the laughter of the victory of the Lord. Spirit, serious spiritual discipline. This is a, I, I, you know, the day I laugh, the way I laugh sometimes, most of them when I'm alone. If you see me in the car sometimes, you think, this guy, is he normal? I'll just be driving. I'll just remember, I'll just start laughing. <laughs> and when I start laughing, like, most of the time, something bad, though. Maybe I just heard that, ah, run away, run away. They are going to run over Nigeria. That thing. I just start laughing. I'll just be driving, I'll just be laughing. I'm alone in the car, just laughing. It's like the day they said they are increasing for a fair price. So, I couldn't help it. The laughter just came and I started laughing it. And increase it now. Cement is going to be 10,000 right back. <laughs> my, my reaction was like, oh, 10,000. 
dollar will become one thousand. I start laughing again. Why? Okay, what do you want me to do? You know, my wife did me a strong thing one day. I never forgot that thing. Because it made a lot of sense at the end. I woke up during the night, I was hearing, I think we had a gunshot of people fighting right in front of our house. So you know the way, as a man, you get up. What's going on? What's going on? Now we're just sleeping peacefully. So in the morning, and I said, did you hear that? <laughs> now, the house we're living in that time, <laughs> it's the kind of house that we were staying upstairs, and it was a duplex. Our bedroom, of course, no bedrooms are really in front of the house, the master bedroom. And it was pretty close to the fence. So when you look out, you can actually see over the fence, just quite close. So, and the noise was right coming from very close by. So I said, did you hear that noise? She said, no. Ah. In my mind, how can you not hear that noise? I, I can't remember whether it was gunshots or people, you know, so one serious issue. It was a lot, a lot of fracas right in front. At night, maybe like around 3 a.m. Huh. I said, you didn't hear that noise? She said, I didn't hear it. I said, how could you not have heard it? How is that possible? We're just right near there now. Because me, I heard it. I woke up. I went to try to investigate and all of that. And the beloved bride was sleeping. So I was not, you know, I was, as it happened to you before, as if women don't hear some things, I don't know. I was not getting angry. How can you, you know, like a woman drives a car down home. Then from the gate, you are inside, you are hearing, go, 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 go. Because, ah, what's going with the car? I said, what? <laughs> you, you, your mind. You didn't hear that? No. Now, you know, if you come down, you collect the key, start the car again. This one, you say, eh, is it abnormal? <laughs> no, your mind, like, excuse me. You're not driving a car again in this house. <laughs> if you like, please, please, just go and take taxi. <laughs> it's that kind of situation I was in that day. She said, okay. If I heard it, what did you want me to do? <laughs> I couldn't say anything again. <laughs> because the truth is that there was nothing she could do. The was outside the house. Those who are fighting, they were shooting they are outside the house, and she was asleep. He said, okay, Mr. Husband, all right, next time I will hear it. What should I do? Then he don't know me that I was a foolish one. <laughs> what I'm going to say, when you tell me that fuel is going to be 395 naira next week, question that, what should I do? Go and open the filling station. <laughs> Buy 30,000 liters and keep it on that ground. If I had that amount of money, wouldn't I have gone to Grid and go to the house refinery going? So it's going to be 385 naira per liter next week. Okay, what exactly do you want this guy to do? There is nothing I can do. So you know what I do? I laugh. Knowing fully well that the God who is so concerned about me will have to increase the amount of money he supplies for fuel. And you know what? I'm not lying to you. I literally prayed to him like that. I just said, Lord, you know, it used to be 165 last week. It's now 385. So you have to increase the fuel allowance. Thank you in Jesus' name. Listen, fuel price has, I mean, I've been watching fuel price for a long time. But at least I've seen it go, grow up, go up at least a hundredfold. 
and we have not died. We have only thrived. I began to observe the dollar when it was crawling towards four naira to the dollar. I remember it being like one to one. But when we began to talk about it, it was moving towards four. Why I remember was my best friend that time as a child, okay? He was studying banking and finance at that university. And he came home during holiday and told us that his lecturer said he's going to hit 10. I don't know what I remember. The lecturer predicted that Naira will hit 10 Naira to the dollar. 10. And I was so angry with such a wicked predictor. Is that English good? That can even be predicting that kind of wickedness. 10 Naira was the prediction. I was old enough to be able to appreciate it. Now it's 400 and... Let's just say 460. You know what I noticed? I have not died. I've grown older. I've grown wiser. I've grown richer. And by the time my children will be the one that's my age, whether dollar is what will be pursuing that time, or the international coin, you know, now there's Bitcoin, there's Dogecoin, whatever it is, they will still thrive. You will still thrive. Amen. You will not only survive, you will thrive. If it was a thousand naira to the dollar, uh, to, to, for, the, for a liter, let me tell you the truth, you will still thrive. Amen. You will still eat and be full. Amen. You will still drive a decent car. Amen. Maybe they will dash an electric car. Say amen. No? amen. But it will not happen that you will be, be without transportation because fuel went up in price. Amen. I give you 15 seconds. Everybody laugh. Just be laughing anyhow. <laughs> laugh your laughter. Seriously, I'm serious. Laugh. Laugh your laughter of victory. Yes? Laugh at the devil, literally, that's trying to scare you. (laughs) Just laugh. Laugh. Yeah, you should, you should. The Bible says, he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. Did he say God shall laugh? What did he say? Did he say God will laugh? What did he say? Where are you seated? In heavenly... So why are you looking at me? You're not laughing. <laughs> yes, that's the laughter. The victory of the Lord. The sign of victory in your life. Poverty has died. Confusion has died. Sicknesses have died. Hopelessness is dead. In the name of Jesus Christ. Fear has died. Listen, your plans are in the Lord. Fear has died. Let me say this to you. It will be well with you. And you're going out and you're coming in. It will be well with you. No evil will befall you. And no plague will come near your dwelling place. God's glory will be seen all over you. Listen to this. The glory of God will go before you. And it will be your rear guard. In the name of Jesus Christ. I feel like saying it. Fear has died. From the north to the south of Nigeria. From the east to the west. Every corner of Nigeria will declare peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. we declare peace. Amen. We pray for the family of the chief of army staff and the people that died along with him. May the Lord comfort them. Amen. May the Lord comfort Nigeria. Amen. But listen to this. Somebody is coming that will be the sign of the victory of the Lord over bandits. Amen. Over Boko Haram. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's going to happen and you are going to see it. Amen. In Jesus' name.